Welcome to this week's edition of the Iowa Revolution Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. You can also email us, iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. Make sure you follow our Iowa Podcasters Collaborative Fellows. You can check them out at the bottom of this page. And also the Iowa Writers Collaborative, of which my co-host is a part. Dr. Bob, how you doing? Really well. Got a lot of stuff to get to today, as always. Iowa water is probably going to get even dirtier. The Iowa House Republicans have passed a bill that may kind of change things with the caucus plans, especially for the Democrats in 2024. Taking a wider scope, the Writers Guild of America has officially gone on strike, so we'll discuss that a little bit. The last time they went on strike was in November of 2007. Also, the debt ceiling bill is still up in the air. We're not exactly sure how the U.S. House of Representatives or the Senate is going to avoid defaulting on our debt. It doesn't look like right now that that's making any headway. The Kentucky Derby is this weekend. We've got two Iowa horses that are going to be racing in that. We had another Iowan actually sentenced for her role in the January 6th insurrection, so we'll discuss that a little bit. And Iowa's Best Burger has been named, plus my top five Tom Cruise movies. Dr. Bob, we're going to start with Auditor Rob Sand, and the Iowa Senate and House have passed that bill that limits his ability to do his job, which A, is not good for us as Iowans because he is the watchdog on how our tax dollars are spent. Then on top of that, it may cost us once again, because of Kim Reynolds and the Iowa Republicans, some federal tax dollars as well. Yeah, it's just pretty remarkable. If Rob Sand was a Republican, they wouldn't even be talking about that. They're trying to to muzzle his effectiveness. Essentially, let's just say that he wants to investigate, oh, uh, Department of Government. He can't just do that. There's a panel that she appoints. She appoints a representative, then the representative of the agency being audited, and then Sand has a representative. So three individuals will make that decision whether the audit can continue, including, you know, somebody Reynolds appointed, somebody that's, you know, the head of the office probably. Sand, how often is he going to get permission to do those audits? Probably never. Which is the goal. And like you said, if he was Republican, it wouldn't even be an issue. The only reason they have brought this up this session is because he's the only statewide elected Democrat. So they're going to try to rein him in, just like they did to the Iowa Attorney General, Tom Miller, back when he was one of the few statewide Democrats. And both of these are elected offices. The Attorney General, you know, they restricted his ability to sue the federal government. He had to go through hoops to do that back when Tom Miller was the Attorney General. And now Rob Sand, again, the only Democrat, is going to have to jump through hoops to even successfully try to do his job. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And it's starting to get a little bit of national attention. I heard it on the guys on Pod Save America talking about it. Yeah, Washington Post had a story about it too, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I don't think Kim Reynolds cares. It doesn't really matter. She's just angry at him for saying that she misspent COVID money. So this is payback. Well, that's where some of this began, or at least that's the cover that the Republicans are now trying to use, that he was using too much private information about individuals, even though none of that information was made public, and it all led back to COVID testing and how that information was started in the Department of Public Health. And then, of course, we had hired those people from Utah that Ashton Kutcher set up with Kim Reynolds. So Rob Sand was basically just looking at, can we make this more efficient? Why are we sending it out to Utah when we could just be sharing this information with the relevant officials in the state? And it didn't really work, did it? That 
no. arrangement with Kushner is his. <laughs> no, that was pretty much a. That would seem to be something that the auditor would want to look into how the money was used. Yeah. Exactly. But that's not what the Republicans want. And I'm sure you also saw, and this is just kind of an aside, but the governor's office just raised their budget by $500,000. And even Republicans, when asked, what is this about? They said, I don't know. I don't remember exactly which Republican legislator it was, but even they had no idea what this money was going to be spent on. Raises. Well, yeah, and probably, but yeah. we'll never know now. And especially with right. Rob Sand, not he's not going to be able to look into that stuff. Well, and they still haven't published their budget numbers. We don't even know what budget numbers are. And just a few quotes here, too, from Sand. Sand said the legislation is, quote, the greatest pro-corruption bill and the worst perversion of checks and balances in Iowa's history. He said that in a news release. The bill will allow state government to hide documents from auditors, he said, and end judicial review of these decisions. Quote, this bill doesn't just open the door to fraud and corruption. It blows it off its hinges. He adds, quote, it allows governmental entities to hide records necessary to prove abuse of tax dollars and allows dishonest, double-dealing insiders to conceal their waste, fraud, and abuse. Yep. So he's not holding back. No. And he's fighting this tooth and nail, but of course he's basically powerless at this point. Well, this, the strange thing to me is that his office and Governor Reynolds are just down the hall. There could be a lot of conversations, and you know, over the years I've talked with him about it, but he will send something and then agree to meet, but no one ever walks down the hall and says, let's talk about it. That's not the way it should work. No, they want to make this a big to-do and make it as public as possible because that's what the Republicans have chosen to do this session. Speaking of government overreach... You have a, a really good interview on your Iowa Writers Collaborative page, Deep Midwest. Make sure you search that out on Substack. You talk with Chris Jones, who is a researcher at the University of Iowa. He also formerly had a blog that was hosted on the university website, so make sure you check that out. But you actually talk with Chris Jones several times over the past couple of months about Iowa's waterways and the phosphate and the nitrous and everything that's making our water dirtier and dirtier. And it sounds like it's just going to get worse now. And he's trying to sound the alarm. Yeah. And it's interesting where the past few years I've been, oh, hearing our Republican legislators talk about how clean Iowa's water is. It's like there's this new boost in doing that. In fact, today at a mine reclamation event, uh, Marionette Miller Meeks talked about uh, how Iowans know how to keep their water clean. And so, so here's how it works. There's uh, models based upon what the conservation practices are. People are using buffer strips, you know, if they're doing cover crops, whatever. And so there's a model about what the water quality should look like based only on conservation practices. Okay, and so then what happens is that there's water quality sensors spread across the state. I mean, it was sort of political many years ago, like 2010, 2011, exactly where the monitors went. But the Republicans... Have, and so then Chris Jones would publish those results. So the models would say one thing, then ideally you would check with the ground truth thing or water truth thing, and then recalibrate your models if you needed to, but it's the actual monitoring the water that tells us whether it's good or bad, not what the models. It's assessing it and doing the chemistry. That's what does it. 
trying to make this short. Todd Dorman in the Don't Gazette. Take your time. Todd Dorman in the Gazette has it summed up pretty nicely. But what happened was Dan Zumbaugh and Tom Shipley, is it? Yep. They went to the University of Iowa. And both they did, Republicans, Both by the Republicans. Way. Yep, legislators, both uh, state senators. Yep. And they went to the University of Iowa, and they and according to Chris, and there's documentation to this, that they said that to the University of Iowa, take this blog down. You come to us for money all the time. We're not going to give you any money. They initially threatened the $2 million appropriation for the Iowa Flood Center. And so the university caved. They told, Which they had to. Well, I mean, that's a lot of money that they would be They needed, up. right. Well, whether they have I to guess, yeah, Right. I mean, that, I guess, is semantics, but quite a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But, so, but you just can't have legislators coming in and threatening this and threatening them. In this kind of instance where it relates to something that's so important to the people of Iowa, the monitoring of our water. And what ended up happening was they didn't take the $2 million away but with the, from the flood center, but they cut the water monitoring program, took the $500,000 that that cost. So they shut down Chris's blog. They said he could do one more last thing. And he outlined those legislators coming in and saying, shut it down. They said, no, you can't do that. This is something that happened. The univer- and so we're talking. The university came in and said, no, you have to take that part That's out. right. Right. And so, you know, there's issues of academic freedom, ethics, all kinds of things going on. So anyway, Chris announced his retirement. It's going to be May 16th or May 17th. And then they took away the funding anyway. So there's no more monitoring. Now, here's where it gets to be corruption. Now, people have probably heard about Bloody Run Creek, the creek that's one of the last cold water trout streams in northeastern Iowa. Well, Zumba's son-in-law has applied for a DNR permit to run 10,000 head of cattle on that land, and the nature of the land formation is that it's pretty permeable, and so all of that will run into this trout stream. So, there's issues with the permitting process. The DNR went with them, gave them the permit. Last week, a Polk County judge says this doesn't make any sense, so they've denied the permit. So the permit is still in flux. Right. But there are two sensors, two water quality monitoring sensors below that Supreme Beef proposed 10,000 cattle operation. On that creek up in northeast right. Iowa. So now, when it goes through... If it goes through, the monitoring is gone. So Zumba's family will profit from this. And then we won't be testing the quality of the water. No. So then they can continue to say, we've got clean water. Yeah. Nobody's testing it. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, the Iowa Capital Dispatch has done some things. I hear the Des Moines Register is doing something, KCCI. Just really good reporting out of uh, the Gazette, some of the best reporting on water issues, the best reporting on water issues that I've seen since Art Cullen's work that got him a Pulitzer Prize. Right. Again, you spoke with Chris Jones recently, I believe last week is when you had your discussion, and he also has a book coming out, I yeah. believe right around when his retirement will will be in the middle of May. Yeah, it's Ice Cube Press, Swine Republic. You should check it out. It's a really good book. And I received galleys for this book months ago, so I'd read it months ago. It was mm-hmm. very powerful. But, um, yeah, he's got the book coming out, and I spoke with him. 
And people weren't putting together his resignation. And Iowans don't even know the water quality system is, is gone. Right. They don't even know that. But people hadn't put together the legislators going, the pressure, Chris resigning, and then the water quality. They didn't put it all together. I ran into Chris at an event at Simpson College, and he uh, told me about it. And we agreed to an interview, and we did an interview, and he said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I'm not comfortable doing that yet. So I said, okay, because you got to name names. Right. But he's still fearful. So then he texted me later in the day, I'm I'm good to go. So I've got like a 26-minute interview with him, and and, uh, Dorman built on it for his. I don't know why he... I was there at the right time, and he just decided to give it up. So I put, that's the power of radio, of the broadcast media, is that I can put it out there, and everybody's got it. It's an original source because it's his voice, where if I would have just written it up for a newspaper, it wouldn't have have been in the public domain. Well, Todd Dorman based most of what his column was this week on that interview. He mentioned you specifically, Robert Leonard, in a conversation with Chris Jones. So had you not done that interview, who knows how far this story goes. And hopefully it does get to nationwide because this is extremely important. It's our air and water quality. Right. It's not only the health of islands, it's the health of everybody downstream. And now we hear all of the time about you know, Republican legislation and what they're doing, what happens in Florida, happens here, happens in Texas, happens, you know, wherever. What's happening with our water quality monitoring everywhere? Yeah. What's happening in Florida? I mean, Florida has some serious nitrate problems. Right. Yeah, and obviously a lot of this goes back to the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico and all those nitrates and phosphates have to go somewhere. So they do leave the state and eventually it kills all sorts of wildlife all along the Mississippi and then down all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Well, and they've already been lying about phosphate because they've been saying phosphate is getting better because the models suggest it should be getting better. <laughs> right. But the actual science, the data, according to Chris, says, no, it's getting worse. There was just a PhD dissertation written at the University of Iowa documenting how much worse phosphorus was getting. And yet the state is saying, oh, we're doing great. The nutrient reduction program is working great. Well... As long as they can model it, you know, and don't have to actually look at what's happening in the real world. Yeah, you can say anything you want. Certainly a story that we'll follow. I'm sure you'll get another opportunity to talk with Chris and we'll see how far this story goes. We'll certainly keep an eye on it for you here on Iowa Revolution. It's time for some cock talk. According to the Cedar Rapids Gazette, Iowa House Republicans passed a bill just this past Monday. They say they will keep Iowa's caucuses first in the nation without upending Democrats' plans Excuse me, to conduct their 2024 caucuses by mail. The bill, which was amended on the floor before passing along party lines, would require that caucus participation be in person only if the purpose of the caucus is to select delegates as part of the presidential nominating process, leaving open the possibility of doing the presidential preference process on a different date. House File 716, as amended, also would not require, as did the original bill, that caucus participants register with a party at least 70 days in advance of the caucuses. Instead, parties could determine their own participation rules for their caucuses. So I guess long story short, if the Democrats do want to do a vote by mail or some variation of that, it would have to be a different day than when they nominate their delegates. It's yeah. kind of long story short. But again, it's just useless things that the Republicans are making up 
to make things harder for Democrats. Right. And it's not constitutional. It's up to the Democratic Party and the right. Republican Party to say what they want to. They can legislate it. It's not going to have any teeth. They just, Democrats should just ignore it. Well, and the other issue is, too, and this was brought up by both Republicans and Democrats, but New Hampshire has the first in the nation primary. And if we're not electing delegates during this caucus and it's just a mail-in vote, then that's really not a caucus anymore. And then New Hampshire could jump Iowa and say that we are the first in the nation primary. Iowa, you're basically just doing a primary now, so we're going to schedule ours for before yours. Well, the Republicans are saying that they're, this legislation deals with that. But we'll see. Right. And we'll see if it even is constitutional. There's a lot of things that the Republicans have passed this session, which they are starting to wind down, hopefully, at the Iowa State House. And we will do kind of a recap on things that have passed through this legislative session and have been signed into law coming up in the next, you know, one or two podcasts just to go through all the shit <laughs> that has been going on since early January. But that's, yeah, one of the, the last big things, at least, for caucus news in the state of Iowa is that bill was passed. Yeah. Yeah. And now, did you say that the 70-day waiting period didn't pass? Correct. So that will still be up to the parties on how they want to decide. So if Democrats wanted to have same-day registration, they would be allowed to make that rule. Well, but that, yeah, originally that was not allowed. And now this amended bill does allow the parties to make their own rules on when you have to register with a party. Well, and the Republicans have said that they, you have to register at least 70 days before the caucus. Do you know why they want that to happen? Well, the son of the chair of the Republican Party, Bobby Kaufman, who's the son, he's working for Trump. Yeah. And so is Governor Branstad's son, Eric Branstad. So Branstad, <laughs> the sons of big party officials. Nepo babies. Yeah, want the 70-day advance thing. And why they want that is they're for Trump. They're working for Trump. And they want Trump to be the nominee. And they're afraid a whole bunch of... Democrats are going to come in and mess things up. But I would guess the Democrats coming in would vote for Trump. So I don't know why they think this is a, a good thing for Trump. But Yeah, I mean, I guess it does make sense on the surface. But if it's 70 days ahead of time, I mean, if people are going to do that, then they would just do that right. 75 days ahead of time. It's just they're doing all kinds of things that aren't helping the people of Iowa. Right. And they're doing things that are hurting a whole lot of people in Iowa. And things that hurt, like the water quality thing, to trans kids, to teachers. It's a path of destruction across Iowa. It's a wrecking ball. Well, yeah, and SNAP benefits. Yeah. I mean, that's going to hurt farmers. It's going to hurt families. And also it, Medicaid is included labor. in with that. Yeah, child labor. Speaking of, I just saw Wisconsin is debating whether or not they're going to allow 14-year-olds to serve alcohol at restaurants. They wouldn't be able to work at a bar, thank God, although it is Wisconsin. So that if you go to a TGI Fridays in Wisconsin a couple of years from now, you might have an acne-faced 14-year-old bringing you your Mai Tai. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and watching people get drunk and right. having fun, thinking, maybe I'll try that. Right. So that has not passed. That's just up for discussion in Wisconsin, but... It's not too far away, I'm sure. Let's take a wider scope. One of the biggest bits of news this week, at least nationwide, more than 11,000 members of the Writers Guild of America, or the WGA, are on strike as of this morning, recording on Tuesday. 
for the first time since 2007 when they struck, a move that could bring an immediate halt to the production of many television shows and possibly delay the start of new seasons of others later this year. The distance between the two sides suggested this could be the start of a long strike. The last strike that started in uh, November of 2007 stretched 100 days into February of 2008. The 2007 strike caused an estimated $2 billion in economic damage, mostly, of course, in Southern California. Adjusted for inflation, that comes to nearly $3 billion today. The industry has changed radically in the 15 years since the last strike ended. And a lot of this is due to the fact, as I just said, so many things have changed. And the biggest thing is streaming. So in 2007, Netflix was still just mailing DVDs to your mailbox. There was no Hulu or Disney Plus, etc. And that means that when writers are writing for those shows on Netflix or Disney Plus, they're getting paid while they're doing the work. But typically they would get royalties if they wrote episodes that aired continuously after they were done. And that is not happening with the streamers. So they'd like a 2% increase in their you know, salary as part of their union negotiations, which is not that much money. And I just saw right before we started to record, it works out to be about $437 million per year is how much the Writers Guild is asking for. And that works out to be about half of what Super Mario Brothers made just in yeah. the past month. So $437 million to you and I sounds like a hell of a lot of money. But first of all, that's going to be split up amongst 11,000 members. And Hollywood certainly has enough money to share that with the people that are actually making the content. Well, and yeah, and it's, the money is called residuals. And so like the any of the writers on Seinfeld are doing great because yeah. they're still making money off of it. But with streaming, it's a much lower number that they get. Mm -hmm. So they don't get as much money. If something's on network, they get some, you know, a fraction, whatever. For everything, you know, I Love Lucy reruns. If somebody wrote for I Love Lucy, they're still making money. Even though it's off the network, that might not be the best example. But so if it's on a network, they get X. If it's streaming, they get Y, which is much less. And plus, with streaming, there tends to be fewer episodes. Right. And so it does Yeah, when I was growing up, Friends or Seinfeld, they had... 25 to 30 episodes per season, whereas now it's very rare to have a TV show with more than 10 episodes per season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big deal. There's also been some talk about AI, too, with the writers, and that's going to be interesting, too. If you start getting rid of writers and using AI, that's not going to be good. Yeah, I mean, chat GPT writing episodes of Stranger Things, you know. Although that might, <laughs> that, that honestly sounds kind of, kind of interesting. I might watch that. But that is one of the first things people brought up is, well, what does this do? Does this accelerate using AI to write television or write movies? Well, and that's the problem with AI, too, is that it, it just doesn't, well, it invents some things whole hog, but it relies upon vast databases. And well, it's so, all plagiarism, basically. Yeah, it's right. plagiarism. I mean, it's, for, it's the same for writers. If we wrote in right now, write an episode of Seinfeld where so-and-so does this, Kramer does that, Elaine does this, and you just lay out the sketch, they will, it'll appropriate what is already out there. So right. it's plagiarism. We kind of talked off the top. The GOP-led U.S. House passed a debt ceiling bill on April 26th, so just last week by a slim margin, 217 to 215, to temporarily raise the limit by $1.5 trillion or until March 31st of 2024, whichever comes first, and tied the measure to massive discretionary spending cuts and changes in federal programs, including SNAP. 
and Medicaid. Biden and Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York say the spending cuts are a non-starter and the debt ceiling must be considered on its own. Well, yeah. How many times did the Republicans raise the debt ceiling under Trump? Three times? Right. So it's just purely a political thing. It's a game of brinksmanship. We'll see who blinks first. But what's happened is that Republicans always blink first in the past. And it doesn't turn out well for them. No matter what, everything, all the blame falls on them. But ultimately, at the end, you know, maybe they're given a little something and they work it all out. But this time is different because really there's some pretty crazy people like Marjorie Taylor Greene that want the default because it's exciting to them to just, they want to destroy things. Well, yeah, it just looked like when Kevin McCarthy was being elected the Speaker of the House, all those people in that caucus that held that up are going to be the same people that are going to say, hell no, or unless they get something completely crazy in the negotiations, which is not going to be good for the country either. So either they are not going to go along with actually raising the debt ceiling at all, or they're going to hold the country hostage to whatever crazy asinine idea that they have, whether, you know, Matt Gates and Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all those crazy Republicans are going to use this for whatever political capital they can. Right. And they'll blame the Democrats, but that hasn't worked before. But see, they don't care. If you wanted to destroy America, you couldn't write a better plan than the one that they're actually engaging with. Right. Yeah. They want to cut SNAP benefits. They want to cut Medicaid. They want to privatize Social Security and, and Medicare, which nobody agrees with. Yeah. And speaking of, I saved this on my phone so I could bring this up. There was a recent poll. It was CBS News, I believe. Yeah, it was CBS News poll. And the question was, 2024 Republican nomination. You would prefer a candidate who? And these are the top answers. So the top answer, 86% of Republican respondents said challenges woke ideas. So that's the most important thing that they have for a presidential nominee. Second was 66% said opposes any gun restrictions. 61% say that you should say Trump won in 2020. And 57% said make liberals angry. So what is that? I mean, that's not any, that's not legislation. That's not helping people in America. No, that's horrible. And those are just regular Republicans. This isn't even Republicans in CBS News. Yeah, well, we're in pretty sorry state, (laughs) you know. That's just sad. And I would love to hear those 86% that said you have to fight all this woke nonsense, define what woke is, because none of them actually know. Uh, That's enough about debt ceiling. We'll find out (laughs) soon enough what's going to happen. It's time for some good news. Mushroom hunting season is here, Dr. Bob. The dandelions have started to sprout. The May apples are up. And I don't think there's any better liar than Donald Trump, except for mushroom hunters. <laughs> you will never get a straight answer on where'd you get those? When's the best time to go? Where's the best place to look? They will never tell you a straight answer. They will tell you a bunch of lies is what will happen. Well, I guess if I were more successful at it, I would uh, probably hide where my special place was. But yeah, the mushroom hunters are out there. I was out uh, at Cedar Bluffs uh, the recreation area over in Mahaska County late one day and 
I mean, uh, maybe one or two in the afternoon, and here comes some mushroom hunters, a family, just, you know, having fun. I said, where, you know, did you find some? Oh yeah, we found this, that, and the other. And, and they were just excited. It was nice to see a family out there doing it. So I went looking and didn't find any. <laughs> I've never found one. Uh, I go with my girlfriend, Jesse. She's a pretty good hunter. She tries to help me as much as she can, but I just don't have the eye for it, I guess. Yeah. Well, Did you hear that there was some mushroom hunters that were lost in Jasper County? No, I they didn't were hear doing that. some mushroom hunting in Jasper County, and they had to use a drone to find them. So if you're going to do some mushroom hunting, maybe bring along some breadcrumbs or something, maybe a long thing of twine to make sure you can find your way back out of the woods. I don't see how anybody can get lost in Iowa. I don't either. I mean, there's a just road every mile. Keep, yeah, I was going to say, just keep walking one direction. Eventually, you're going to get somewhere. Right, walk downstream and you'll find a bigger stream. Right. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. if you're a little kid, I understand. I, no, I don't think these were little kids. There may have been a little kid with them, but yeah, there was adults. Sorry if we've just were... offended a listener, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to get lost. That's okay. I don't mind offending the listeners when it needs to be said. Uh, more good news. Two horses from the Ankeny-based Allbaugh Family Stables will compete in the Kentucky Derby. The horses' names are Jace's Road and Angel of Empire, and the Derby is this Saturday, May 6th. It's always the Saturday of tulip time, Kentucky Derby is. Yeah, I love the Kentucky Derby. My family's always picked horses for the Triple Crown races. So we always pick, there's nine of us now in the family, so we all pick during the Derby and the Belmont Stakes, and the Preakness. Well, and the owner of the horses is Dennis Albaugh mm -hmm. out of uh, Ankeny. Yeah. I grew up with Dennis Albaugh. Really? Yeah. Like, went to school with him? No. His mom and dad and my mom and dad were dear friends. And so we would go there, like, some Saturday nights or Friday nights. You are the Forrest Gump of Iowa. <laughs> like, of, like, I just, you know, put together some agenda items and... Every single week, you like you shook hands with Bob Feller or you wrestled against Dan Gable. <laughs> and now you're family friends with people that have two horses in the Kentucky Derby. Well, yeah, and uh, Dennis was a few years older than me and his, he had a brother, Mick, who was a little older. And we'd go goof around in the barn in the yard and do fun stuff. They were really nice people. They had a younger sister, I forget her name, but she was sweet. The parents were Dean and Lorna Albaugh, and they were just... Dean had this sense of humor. He was hilarious. <laughs> and then when Dennis got rich off of farm chemicals, he built his mom and dad a house, million-dollar house, and my dad framed it out. Really? Yeah. So you're that connected. So yeah. your dad built his Their parents' house. house. Yeah. Yeah. That he bought for his parents, basically. Yeah. And what does... You said he sells farm chemicals? I... I Obviously, he's rich, but is that how he made his fortune? Well, first he started with different herbicides, and then in the 70s, and he tells a story of, I'm not in contact with him, but I've seen he's you know, tells this story about he made his first batch of chemicals, and somebody forgot to do the seal right on the truck, and so he drove the truck, you know, for 100 miles, and, and it all leaked out. Tank. <laughs> And then uh, when Monsanto's lost its rights to 
uh, one of the chemicals, glyphosate. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong or missing it. But anyway, the main active ingredient in Roundup in the early 70s, he started making it a generic. Gotcha. And so that's when he made his billions. Well, smart guy. By the way, out of his two horses, Angel of Empire is the better odds to win. I think Angel of Empire is the third highest odds. Forte is the horse that's favored to win. And Jace's road is down towards the bottom, like a 50 to one shot. So if you're going to bet on an Iowa horse, probably want to bet on Angel of Empire. Although 50 to one odds, you could make a lot of money if it does come through. So go Iowa horses either way. I think I'll bet on both. Uh, Have you had Iowa's best burger? Have you had a burger in Huxley before? Because they were just named uh, Flight Bar and Grill in Huxley is this year's Iowa's best burger. No, but my great-grandparents homesteaded you son of Huxley, a bitch. near Huxley and, and Ballard. And, yeah. Yeah. No, that's sort of where my mom's family comes from. They were blacksmiths there. <laughs> <laughs> so I better go get a burger. Seriously. you? I mean, yeah. It's the latest time. I think they've been doing this for, I think, 2015 or 2016 was the first year that they've been doing the burger. They've been doing the tenderloin for a little bit longer than that. And I've never had any of the burgers that were listed on that list. Wood Iron Grill would be the closest for us in Oskaloosa. Uh, the other places I had never even heard of before. I'm probably not going to drive to Huxley just for a burger, though. Yeah, I mean, burgers are fantastic. One of my favorite foods, probably. But I'm not going to drive over a half hour for a great burger. Yeah, no. The only thing I'll drive over a ha- for a half an hour is a political event or something. Right. Or yeah, not for, yeah, for food. No. No. I don't really care that much. Because, yeah, I love tenderloins, too, but there's all sorts of good tenderloins mm-hmm. that you can buy around here. And my, I brought up in a previous podcast that my sister is married to a Jones, and they're, that's Ashley Jones's family and the Jones basketball clan. That's also Jonesy's restaurant. You ever heard of Jonesy's and, like, Solon? His, my sister's husband owns the one in Cedar Rapids, but they've got one in Solon. They've got one in Center Point, so... And they've got the best tenderloins, if you ask me. And this is me acting like I know all about it. Also acting like you care, which you you absolutely (laughs) don't. And I can tell in your eyes. (laughs) All right, we're almost wrapped up here. Thank you again for tuning in this week for the Iowa Revolution podcast. Uh, One last bit of good news is another Iowan has been locked up or will be locked up for their role in the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Her name is Deborah Sandoval. She's 56 and from Des Moines. She pleaded guilty to entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds. On a video played during a previous court appearance, Sandoval is heard saying, quote, get her bleep out of here, referring to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She later described her conduct that day saying, quote, we stormed the Capitol in social media messages. Sandoval was sentenced to five months in prison, followed by 12 months of supervised release and a reentry hearing in court. She is also ordered to pay $500 in restitution. And it's a family affair. Her son, Salvador Sandoval of Ankeny, was convicted in December for his role in the attacks. So keep locking them up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's family togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that name, Salvador Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good baseball player. Uh, anything else? Any good news? Any shitty news? Oh, you know, uh, it's spring. <laughs> that's the best news. It wasn't a bad fall, um, or bad winter, rather. And no, and I'm just excited. Uh, Donald Trump's coming to Des Moines. Yeah. And I think that's the 13th, a week from Saturday. 
Yep, yeah, I would be. Yep. And so, yeah, I'm going to go. And where's he going to be? At Waterworks Park, I believe. Really? At the amphitheater there. Really? That would be quite the experience. Yeah, well, all of his uh, rallies I've been to, half a dozen or so, they're always a pretty interesting, air quotes, experience. So It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens this time around. You know, how if the crowds are as big as you were yeah. expecting, or if they've lessened a little bit with all the court cases that are going on, new challengers. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. It's always interesting. What I always am always surprised by is in the concession stand, all the overt racism in the conversations. Oh, and I'm sure the t-shirt sales yeah, are all uh, disgusting. Yeah, yeah and, they are. And what really bothers me are all the little kids there just soaking it in. Yeah. But, you know, I'll be there. I've asked for a press pass. We'll see if they give it to me. If not, I'll ask. I'll just be a part of the crowd. I don't, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. One thing, just real quick, that we talked about last week was Tucker Carlson getting the axe from Fox News. And I see that the time slot that he was broadcasting in has dropped like 50% in viewership, um, both in the key demo and overall. So, good. (laughs) Yeah, but it's all going to Newsmax. They're getting like five times their their numbers that they used to get. Yeah, they're probably getting 80% of those viewers and the rest of them are watching Netflix or sports or something like that. But yeah, the vast majority of them are going to an even more crazy right-wing outlet. So I guess I should eat my words. Maybe having Tucker Carlson is on, on the air is better than not being yeah. on the air. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's all bad. Uh, time for my top five. Top five Tom Cruise movies. I know I asked last week if you were a Tom Cruise fan. Personally, not a Tom Cruise fan of him personally. But you do like his movies, right? Yeah, they're good movies. Um, yeah, they're. he's awfully stiff. But I think he, in general, he's he can be a good actor. I mean, in some of the things that I've seen, he's very good. But in his action movies, he's, you know, like Mr. Tough Guy and doesn't do a lot of acting he's you know Clint Eastwood or John Wayne they all play the same role yeah I think he he and his movie choices have been we were talking about the change in since 2007 of network tv to now streaming and that's also affected movies too so Tom Cruise can't really be in a lot of the movies that we he was in in his 30s and 40s they just don't make those small dramatic movies like Risky Business or Born on the Fourth of July or Eyes Wide Shut, some of those smaller budget movies, whereas now he has to be in Top Gun, he has to be in Mission Impossible, or he's just not going to be in movies at all. Right. And he's only, you know, his shelf life for the action movies, no matter, he's in good shape, it's not going to be able to happen in, right. for very much you gotta, longer. you got to make the money while you can if yeah. you're Tom Cruise. So without any further ado, top five Tom Cruise movies. Number five is Collateral. You ever seen Collateral? You mentioned in action movies, and this isn't really, I guess you could maybe say it's an action movie, but it's really more of a drama, and he plays a hitman. So Jamie Foxx is his taxi driver, and Tom Cruise has Jamie Foxx oh, I've seen take him from hit to hit. Yeah. And it's really the few Tom Cruise movies where he's the bad guy. I remember I remember mainly Jamie Foxx, because he did a, a really good role. And he it was, was a good excellent. movie. Yeah. It was a really good movie. Yeah. It's been years ago. When was that? Oh, geez. Probably when I, I mean, it's probably 20 years ago. I would imagine around when I graduated high school, early 2000s, probably. I think I probably saw it in high school or college. So it's hard to believe that it's probably that old, but it probably is. In fact, none of these movies are really a lot of his newer movies. 
so number five is Collateral with Jamie Foxx. Number four is Mission Impossible. Great movie. I, I really like all the Mission Impossible yeah, movies. Me too. Really, the newer ones are pretty good too. Well, you weren't old enough to watch the original TV series in real time. Just, I was just too young, I think. I do sort of remember watching it when I was a kid with my parents, but yeah, by the time I was seven or eight, never heard that. They were great. Theme song until the movies came out. But yeah, my parents were huge fans of the Mission Impossible TV show. But yeah, excellent movies. Number three is Top Gun. And full disclosure, I've not seen the newest Top Gun. Have you seen the new Top Gun Maverick? Yes, I have. It's good. I think it's better than the, uh, than the original. Well, I'll have to see it then. I enjoyed it very much. Right, number two, I think you'll probably like this one too. Number two is A Few Good Men. Yeah, that was good. That was very good. He actually acted in that one. See, that? yeah, I think on this list, and the number one, he did a pretty good job of acting, I think. But yeah, A Few Good Men and Collateral are the two movies on this list, at least, where he's actually, he has to act. It's not just set pieces and things blowing up or him trying to finagle his way into some sort of top secret location. It's actual, you know, human drama. Well, yeah, and anything with Demi Moore or... And Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. I mean, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Great cast. Number one, Days of Thunder. I don't know if I've seen it. It's a racing movie. Probably not. So Tom Cruise plays Cole Trickle, who is a NASCAR driver. And Cole Trickle? Cole Trickle. You've heard of the NASCAR driver Dick Trickle before, right? No. Well, there you go. Yeah, Cole Trickle. So... <clears throat> Showing my ignorance again. Yep. Uh, and Nicole Kidman is in that movie. So he has a big wreck, and then Nicole Kidman is his psychologist, so she has to get him prepared and ready to race again, and it's kind of about overcoming your fears. That's probably why I didn't watch it, is because I saw into the future the, <laughs> the toxic relationship they had. Yeah, I'm pretty had. sure that's how they met. I would imagine that is how they met on yeah, the well, set of that movie. Bad. Yeah, that's and then they sad. made another movie, Eyes Wide Shut, and... Yeah, it is. I always feel bad for Tom Cruise's wives. Like Katie Holmes, I felt yeah. bad for her, too. And yeah, Nicole Kidman was another one. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't know. He must have something or those very talented women wouldn't marry him. But, you know, I, I don't think he'd be very interesting just to have a beer with. No, I don't either. I think he's probably one of those guys that's always performing. Yeah. I don't know it's if there is fake. a real. Yeah, I don't know if there's a real Tom Cruise, and even the Scientology stuff too is just a way to cloud over who you really are. You know, I feel like people that are attracted to Scientology are looking for something that's missing within themselves. So Tom Cruise, I'm guessing, is that kind of person. I think Tom Cruise is the original incarnation of AI. They yes, just created him. Well, and he was in a movie called Minority Report. Which that was wasn't good. necessarily I AI, that. but it was certainly a futuristic. Yeah. And it sort of is about AI and just how much power we relinquish to computers. That was good. Yeah, I've actually not seen Minority Report. So I'm going to have to see the new Top Gun Maverick. And I'm going to have to see Minority Report. Yeah, both good. All right. Both very good. Another good episode, Dr. Bob. Anything else you'd like to add? No, no. Just enjoy life. It's a great way to end. Again, we are Iowa Revolution. You can follow us on Twitter. We're just at Iowa Revolution. Very 
easy for you to find us. iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com is our email address. Make sure you follow everybody that's with us on the Iowa Podcasters Collaborative. And also make sure that you subscribe to Dr. Bob's Deep Midwest Substack. You can just search Substack Robert Leonard or just Google Robert Leonard Substack or Deep Midwest. Very easy to find. Dr. Bob, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Spencer.